What's up, Military Millionaires? I'm your host, David Perret, and I decided to take the intro back because Alex has been mean to me the last couple of episodes, if you've listened, where he just runs with it and says it's his show and doesn't share very well. So uh, nonetheless, here with Doug Spence, who has actually been a guest on the show before, but in a group setting, right? I want to make sure I know. Okay. I'm a losing my mind. So never mind. Doug has never been a guest on the show. This is why I don't let you do the yeah, intro. So <laughs> we, we suck. Uh, <laughs> okay. So Doug's a friend. Doug and I uh, both lived in San Diego area. We used to hang out a lot while I was there. Uh, he has house hacked the VA loan. I spent some time at his house uh, two months ago, I guess, when I was doing my first reserve drill. He's also a GoBro in GoBundance with myself and so hung out in Park City with him. He's also a member of the War Room. He's a naval officer, active duty. Uh, his spouse is a naval officer as well. And they're crushing it, investing long distance in Oklahoma, doing off-market deals, as well as stepping up into some bigger stuff. Uh, but more importantly, just a friend that we know is not going to come on the show and pitch a whole bunch of bullshit. So... Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle one, you're clear to depart friendly lines. Hey guys, if you're looking to take your investing, business, life, or just yourself to the next level, then I have something for you. The War Room Real Estate Military Mastermind Group is a mastermind group that meets weekly in small groups of five to six people to help you hold yourself accountable and really experience that growth. But we also have a monthly guest speaker that we bring in, and we've had guest speakers that talk about mindfulness, taxes, we're bringing in somebody to talk about marketing. We bring in very specific topics that will adhere to very broad, any any kind of real estate investing or investing or entrepreneurship that you want to do, and we'll really help you out. And We let you ask these speakers questions and get very personal with them. And then back to the small groups, weekly accountability for what you're trying to achieve and just being surrounded by like-minded people. And they say your network is your net worth. I know that's an overused phrase, but I recommend that you check it out. So just shoot an email to wrmastermind at gmail.com. Once again, that's wrmastermind at gmail.com. And we'll send you some more information. Hey, <laughs> Doug, welcome aboard, buddy. Hey, thanks guys. Happy to be here. I've known about Doug for a long time and I don't think we've ever really crossed paths wow. um, no. in any kind of meaningful way. So I'm pumped too, because there's a lot of people in the war room um, that I don't know that I want to get to know better. So I'm happy you're here. Likewise. Yeah. Happy to be here. Your hair is intimidating, Alex. That's why I haven't, I don't think that's why I haven't reached out yet. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I do know. Yep. Not just that, but this too. I mean, it's like a, yeah. it's, it's impressive. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I'm very intimidating. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Alex grows the hair. So when no one wants to know him, he can be like, ah, oh, it's the hair. It's too intimidating. It's not. <laughs> yeah. When people ask you about the pink, do you say it's the plumage of the alpha male? Is that how you respond to that? Uh, no, when people, <laughs> I just laugh because if you're talking about my hair or my shirt, my pink t-shirt or my pink shoes, then the game is already won. I, exactly. You're talking about my thing. I won. I don't, yeah. what you say doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I win. There you go. That's a good point. All right. Oh, nice. Oh, God. Pink shoes too. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? 
Yeah. So I'm originally from Houston, um, born and raised in Texas, went to Baylor university for undergrad in central Texas, and then, uh, joined the Navy back in 2009, did flight school for a couple of years, uh, did some more school in California, central Valley of California for a year, then lived in Japan for three years, did three carrier deployments out there, moved back to America, uh, lived in Pensacola for three years, did a flight instructor tour there. And then I've been in San Diego since December of 2018. And 2018 is also when I bought my first dedicated uh, investment property, um, which was with, you know, Stu and David, yep. uh, who you guys know pretty well. Um, and, and Stu especially helped me get into real estate. So, uh, but yeah, I've been living in San Diego uh, for the last three years with, with my wife and she's in the Navy as well. And we have one kid on the way, our first due in about two months. So congrats, congrats, Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And a, they have a cool bird. Yes, we do. Ruby. She's a little parrot. Yeah. I, I had to put her away cause she gets, uh, loud and distracting. She's very active as, as you saw. So yeah, <laughs> a little, a little clingy too. Yes. Very clingy. Yeah. Uh, uh, San Diego. They just announced San Diego is going to be the location of the bigger pockets conference in October this year. Really? Yeah. I nice. will be there. That's I awesome. am the photographer for the event again. So I'm, I'll see you there. Right. As long as I'm not deployed. Yes. Which is a possibility, but we'll see. Yeah. You got to choose your priorities, my friend. Just be a pogue. <laughs> just tell them I can't do it. Yeah. Just be a pogue. It's, it's way easier. Yeah. So what do you got going on now in real estate? So what we are actively working on the most right now is our deal funnel to source off-market leads for more burrs uh, in Oklahoma for ourselves and for our own company. And then we're also looking at uh, you using that deal funnel to help other investors get their own off-market leads um, and kind of generating revenue uh, in that way as well. So that's, that's really what we're focusing on now. Uh, we've done, we're about to finish our second burr in Oklahoma. We've done a flip there and just looking to, we, we love the burr model. So looking to do more of that as we get into bigger stuff. How has team building in a long distance market gone. So I've done this. I've done quite a bit of long distance burr. Um, I've been fortunate that my property manager, my re my contractor have been, you know, uh, my buddy, Roger, who I like my lifeline, right? Uh, not everybody's so fortunate and it's hard to manage contractors recently. He's kind of pulled back away from rehab. And so my rehab started to suffer because, you know, I was so lucky to have him. So how have you been able to deal with uh, managing? Have you gotten lucky or has it been a struggle, you know, finding the right, right? Both managers and uh, contractors. Yeah. It's, it's all about finding the right people. Um, so I, I identified the market, you know, first Oklahoma city, and then I got on the bigger pockets forums and started aggressively looking to build the team. And I got connected with a guy named Eli in Oklahoma city who owns, he, he's a commercial broker. His wife's a residential agent and he owns a property management company. And I had a conversation with him, told him my goals and he, he's an army vet. So also we had that military connection. And uh, he told me that I would be able to use his network of contractors in Oklahoma city to burr at no additional cost. And he has full-time maintenance personnel that work for his management company that would basically help, you know, with the bids and, and making sure everything is done correctly and then help with payment. So that was a huge 
um, that was tremendously successful or helpful for me because now I don't have to go out and find my own roofer, my own drywall guy, all that stuff. I could just leverage his connections. That so. is the way to do it. The downside is you have a single point of failure. Do That's you, true. Yeah. I'm That's not- true. But he, he's managing like so many properties there that like, at least from my perspective, like he has more to lose by not having contractors than I do. So he, it is in his best interest to, you know, replace the drywall guy if the drywall guy sucks. So, um, cause he's, you know, that's his whole business. So, uh, but yeah, but you're right. It is, it is a single point of failure. Yep. Freaking plumbers, man. I got <laughs> projects held up left and right right now because of freaking plumbers. Stupid. Yeah. It's all about people though. I think, for someone looking to build their own team, I think bigger pockets is the best place uh, to source it. Cause you're going to be, you know, th- th- there's always property managers looking for, for new clients. There's always agents looking for new clients. I-, I haven't seen a ton of contractors on there, but if you meet the right agents and the right property managers, they, they know the right contractors. So uh, it's just meeting the right rock stars in your respective market and, and providing value to them first and treating them well. And They'll take care of you. Man, I'll take it a step further and say instead of meeting agents and property managers on bigger pockets, you just meet other investors in that area. Yeah. They're, they're gonna know, you know, anybody who not to say like, oh, me, hit me up. But like if you were in my market, you saw me on bigger pockets, you reached out to me, I've got all the connects, right? Yeah. They might not be the best person in town, but they're who I've used for the last four years. So as long as you're not a jerk, I'll give everyone but my contractor to you. Yeah. Exactly. It's just, it's all about people. You ain't getting that contractor's info. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You do run into a little bit of uh, resistance with people giving up good contractors, especially these days when there's so many new investors. What I would like to see is a day where the military millionaire is the resource that people go to first and bigger pockets second, where people can go, Hey, I'm going to invest in Oklahoma. Who's got the agent and the contractor and the people in Oklahoma city. And if military millionaire group can't deliver, then I'll go to bigger pockets. That's, that's my goal. Actually, a really cool. cool idea. I can't imagine that would be super hard to build out. It'd be like, I don't know how you build that out. You go to a website, build like an interactive map where it's like people from Facebook click a link that answers a couple questions and says, this is the market I'm investing in. And then you would have like a map built out where you, hey, you click on Missouri and there's everyone who has mentioned there in the community of Missouri. And it's got, you know, whatever contact info. Like, if somebody builds this idea. for David, I can get some money out of him for it. I would, I would pay. Yeah. I would definitely pay for the right build out on that. It's worth it. I, yeah, it's a cool idea. Uh, I'm going to write, I it would down. participate. It's a good idea. Yeah. I'm really good at ideas, really bad at executing any of them. You're the visionary. Yeah. Yeah. It's not very profitable. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good though. Yeah. I give all my good ideas to David. That's why he's flourishing. Yeah. Yeah. Look at, although your setup looks better than his. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. Well, his setup, I, well, he's using the loud, the loud, to, to be fair, my setup's off. <laughs> yeah. But, his setup, but is his off, still but looks yeah. better. Yeah. But even still, uh, I helped him build that setup. Um, so that's just, that's, so that's where you're at right now. We're doing wholesale in Oklahoma city, getting, getting burrs and, and, uh, and just kind of scaling that up. What's the team look like? Yeah. I was going to so, say, what's your funnel? Yeah. I mean, 
I wouldn't say we're in the wholesaling business necessarily. Like it really, we just want to source our own stuff. And it's just gotten to the point where there's, I've met so many people that are like, Hey, can you help me? You know, can you help me with some cold calling or SMS or whatever? And they're happy to contribute. So it's kind of really just helping. I'm I'm not taking deals and putting them in Facebook groups. Like, Hey, everyone, here's a, here's a fixer upper. But um, yeah, the team right now uh, we're focusing on Tulsa right now. We, we buy in Oklahoma city as well, but Tulsa is kind of our focus. Uh, But we have a great boots on the ground agent there. Her name is Kara. And then um, our property manager, it's the same company as, as Oklahoma city. So I actually convince the owner to expand out to Tulsa so I could use him for property management there. And I guess there was enough business or, you know, he felt there was enough business. So he found a leasing agent there in Tulsa. And so we're basically doing the same system uh, just in Tulsa, which is about an hour and a half Northeast of of Oklahoma city. Uh, And then for lending. So uh, I use private money to, to, to buy these deals, uh, which is my sister-in-law, who's also my business partner. And the toughest part now, I mean, aside from finding deals is the lending is getting tight. You know, the DSCR uh, lending on the, on the cash out refi is, is getting challenging. The rates are going up, points are going up. So I do have a guy that that's going to give us 5.3% on a cash out refi, but that's the best that I've found. Um, so always looking for, for lenders for sure, especially as rates are going up. Yep. The, Cycle is cycling, you know, <laughs> people yep. say, oh, I can't wait for the market to crash because we'll go buy every scoop. They think it's going to crash and they go like, this price is going to come down and go scoop everything up. And I'm like, in 2009, a bank would give you like a 50% LTV loan for a, for a house yeah. and nobody would, and there was no hard money lenders. So, um, you know, the cycles kind of go hand in hand. So now we're in an interesting moment where deals are kind of getting harder to find and lending is going to get harder to find. But, you know, at the same time, 5%. Is ridiculously oh, low. Yeah, I'm so, happy. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now the, the problem is is definitely that the home prices have come up so much over the last, you know, especially over the last three years. So now even though lending's cheap, um, prices have you know overall have gotten tight. But that's just that's just mar- economics, right? Things are right. equilibrating. People are rushing in, getting cheap debt. They drive prices up, and then now you know I think it's going to be a little bit tighter going forward, but. At 5%, there's still a lot of game to play. Yeah. I mean, the first the first two properties I bought from Storehouse, I mean, I used conventional mortgages on those and those are five and a quarter, you know? And that was back in 2018 and 2019 when I did those. And I was pretty, you know, I was like, okay, you know, whatever, I'm still able to close on it. And and now it's it's a, a, a mortgage to my LLC that's at that same amount. You know, it's, you know, it's... Uh, it's swinging back up, but I'm still happy with that. I mean, it's still a ridiculously low rate. So, well, if, if you're sourcing your own deals off market, unless you're buying the ones you shouldn't, right. be, you're getting enough of a discount that it all exactly out in the end. right. I mean, we're going to be coming up for this deal. We bought it for twenty. We put fifty six into it. Uh, it should appraise for at least one ten, and we'll leave. We might have to leave like two grand in the deal. So, <laughs> so the other side of that, because I have a deal, I have a one mortgage. I think that's five point six five. I got it in two thousand seventeen, right and I wasn't happy it was 5.65, but I didn't want to pay any points. And, but I remember too, I'm like, I financed like 60 grand, 65 grand. And I'm like, dude, the difference between if I had gotten it for 5%, the difference in amount of money is actually, doesn't matter. You're talking about yeah. 20 bucks a month or something like that. It's so minimal. So, really and then now that property that I bought for 60 and was worth 90 is now worth like 160. Right. Yeah. So 
Uh, I think definitely people get caught up in rate. Now, obviously profit margins, you know, I want to know what your PL says. That's, or I don't want to know, but that, that's what really matters is you want to know what the PL is. I don't care if the rate's high as long as we're still profitable, really. Right. Um, and if the opposite is true, right? Like, hey, I got a 3% rate. It's like, yeah, you're losing money. Who cares? So, right. <laughs> so um, yeah, I love that. You're buying a house for 50 grand. I mean, I don't care. 5.5, 5. 5. 5. 5.7%. You're, yeah. You're doing really I'd good. Still do it. Yeah. The house was actually 20 grand and we put 56 K into it. So, Oh yeah. yeah that's it, was, it was a disgusting, absolutely disgusting house, but I love it. You know? So uh, that that's what we're looking for. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I the, definitely prefer the, like a 56 purchase and a 20 renovation over the alternative. But uh, yeah, but you know, the, the numbers pencil out the same, but the risk is not equal. True. No, but you get more buyers, you get more competition at the 20, at the, uh, at the 50 and 20 deal than you do for the 20 and 50. Absolutely. I bought a deal a couple of years ago that was, had a big kitchen fire and it looked bad and it was mostly cosmetic. We had to replace some drywall. It was like no big deal. Uh, fire department came out, checked things up. I think that whole rehab cost me like 20 grand. Right. But people ran for the Hills from it. Cause it looked awful. And I was like, so I lucked out in that one, but a lot of times, yeah, I mean the, the bigger lift, there's a lot fewer, uh, fewer buyers means you can, you just get, get a lot more access to the deal itself. Yeah. Especially if, 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 you know, someone as an investor can find a niche, like maybe your niche is like, you're the guy that buys fire damaged homes, or you're the person in Florida that buys sinkhole houses. Then you have this great contractor that can mitigate that risk. So if you can, you know, uh, make it your niche to buy stuff that people are afraid of and you're good at it, then you can, you know, you can really profit from that. I'm doing a kitchen fire property right now. Nice. My, my biggest renovation to date. But it's, it's- yeah, in, in a market cycle where things are, we're at the mature part of the market cycle. It's been going on for a long time. Real estate's really popular. I read the other day that real estate agent is like the number one search job on all of Google, right? It's super popular. It, like the easy deals that were like a $50,000 house that's a lipstick flip, like those deals are, I'm not saying they don't exist, but man, it's like you and everybody else, right? So right now, the time to go find something that everybody else is afraid of or is unwilling to pivot to um, is the way to go. The thing that's like kind of, you know, that's why we pivoted. We're pivoting now at Climb Capital instead of trying to do the same old C-class multifamily apartment buildings, which have been done to death. And, you know, a lot of the margins are squeezed out of them. We're trying to pivot because for the same reason, it's like, yeah, that's what I prefer to do. I prefer to buy a multifamily property, you know, five years ago that I could get for an eight cap and sell it for a six cap in two years, but that just doesn't exist anymore. So, you know, no, I you love just, what Doug says. You buy a, a two cap and try to turn it into a zero cap. It's same, same math. I underwrote a deal that I, I underwrote the walk-on cap rate at a 96% occupancy on a C-class building built in 1960. The cap, walk-on cap rate was 3.4%. I, I was like, dude, I mean, this is not a nice area. Not a, not a super nice area. And then they went on market, they bailed, they failed out of market, they came back to market and they raised the price. <laughs> what is going oh, on? You can't teach crazy anyone. times. Yeah, it's gonna be it's uh we're we're at peak mania. It's a good time. Yeah. Congrats on Climb Capital, by the way. We saw we were hanging out with Jeremy in Park City. It's good. Dude, should I join GoBundance? I think it's great. There's some really solid dudes in it. Yeah, I hung out with Steve. Jimenez yeah, we just on the show. Oh yeah. The B guy. Yeah. I texted him. We're friends now. He, we're, we're becoming friends now. He doesn't know it, but <laughs> <laughs> I want to join, um, go abundance, but I don't know. I'm being a little, I'm being a little sissy about it. 
it's definitely an expensive investment and and it's one of those where it's i mean it, you know ten thousand dollars a month to join like a coaching program where you're getting a curriculum and all this other stuff is probably an easier sell for yourself than ten thousand dollars for something where it's like i'm going to be around cool people and it's ten thousand dollars a year right not ten thousand dollars a month yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i don't have that kind of yeah <laughs> not not for that uh but like you know, like psychologically, like it's an easier sell for yourself. I think when it's like a tangible, like I'm going to get exactly this with GoBundance, it's, it's like any mastermind, right? Like you, you don't, you get out what you put in. So you don't like, 100% know what you're getting, but I can tell you for me, it's been worth it. And I've been yeah. in it for like three months and it's already paid for itself. Well, I'll put it in perspective. I, uh, I paid the $3,000 down, uh, cause I was going to do the month to month just because I didn't have 10 grand in my bank account the day I signed up. So I was going to have to, I was like, I'll do the 3000 and then pay the rest later. Uh, anyway, that week they introduced me to a couple guys that were in my, in my town. And I went to lunch with a guy, Nigel Geisinger, and we went to lunch and like, no joke over lunch, we're talking. And he casually was like, man, I got this buddy who is like stuck 1031 has like three days left to identify something. If you know anything in like the, the, this price range. And I was like, well, I was about to list my 10 unit for 10,000 more than that. You want to run it by him? And like two days later under contract, we close on Monday, like sold, sold it. sold. I made 80 grand selling a 10 unit over lunch. And then that same guy brought me a buyer for a wholesale deal that I assigned and made, uh, he's basically made me a hundred grand over two or three, things that happened after lunch. And so it's like, well, all right. Yep. I can justify go abundance now. <laughs> like that was one meeting and I've had many like that. So it's kind of yeah. crazy. Yeah. Actually my biggest gripe with go abundance is like David's in it. And I don't, well, I have a lot of David time already. I don't need any more David time. There's a whole lot of other people. You don't have to spend you, time with me. And you know what? It's kind of like, do I really want to be a part of a group that they let David into? You know, is it that it can't be that good. Are you talking just, David Green or David Osborne? He's talking, I'm talking to about me. David Perret. He's just, oh, he's, just, he's just he's just mad that I was first to market and he's got to deal with the fact that he either comes to join my team or he doesn't get to play. All right, should let's, find talk about let's talk about Doug. <laughs> I enjoy the GoBundance chat, so no worries. Yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, Doug didn't take me snowboarding, though, so I'm still a little sad. Dude, we were we were up there every day. I I was on the mountain I know. all four days. Yeah, it was but great. You, but you were on double blacks, so that's true. I, that's, I did get to ski with uh, Andrew Cushman. That was cool. Yeah. So, like, if I had gotten you really drunk, I might have been able to hang. Really tough to like do. Really drunk, not like a couple beers, but like wear my boots. I'm drunk. You know? Yeah, that's tough. I don't drink very much these days, so yeah, that'd be a challenge. <laughs> How old are you, Doug? Thirty six. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah so it my, does kind of it does you do kind of grow out of it, huh? Isn't that a weird thing? Once I hit 30, the hangovers were just not worth it anymore. Oh yeah. yeah. I had to learn my lesson quite hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and only once, right? <laughs> yes. Um Doug, tell us about your uh, your house hack. So I want to I want to preface this uh because well, because every single time I make a video about house hacking. The excuse I hear from everybody is, well, if only I could find a hundred thousand dollar house in my market and well, it's so, so easy in a cheap market. And like everybody seems to make all these excuses for why it's not possible in an extensive market. So I'm going to preface with the fact that you live in quite possibly the hottest market in the world 
uh, right now, San Diego, and you bought in the middle of hype during the pandemic and it's working for you. So yeah, I would just we, like to throw that out there and hear, hear you talk about it. Yeah. So we, um, a little backstory. So my, my wife had orders to Virginia last January. And so we thought we were going to Virginia and then we had put four offers in on homes in Virginia beach. And then the Navy was like, just kidding. You're staying in San Diego. So thankfully none of those offers in Virginia were accepted, but, uh, then we started aggressively pursuing properties in San Diego, uh, while we were actually on vacation visiting family in Hawaii. So, um, got connected with John land, who was a key component of, of the whole thing. Um, and then our, our agent Herb Knox, he's also a Navy guy. Um, I know John's a Marine, but Herb's a Navy guy. And I think one of the most important factors that were, where we were, we were able to make it happen was John's 17 day close in his VA loan, which, uh, you don't see on normal mortgages, you know, you, you, you won't see that on a conventional or an FHA and the fact that he was, you know, or VAs to, to be honest, like you don't see that on VA loans. So having that verbiage in our offers, I think was a huge contributing factor in, in being able to get this house. Um, but we, we found this house on, on Zillow and our, our, our agent took a video of it and sent it to us. And I knew, pretty much right away that 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 was the house because it has a, a bottom floor the the bottom floor had been uh, converted into a one bed one bath adu or accessory dwelling unit is how they classify them here in california and i knew that that would be the best way to do it if we're if we're having to buy a ridiculously expensive house in in san diego you know why not just get someone to help help pay the rent so or help pay the mortgage so that's what we did and we got 2.25 fixed for 30. And then we rent out the bottom floor for 1950 a month. So, and that's actually below market rent for, for that, uh, for, for that bottom floor here. And yeah. And we put down 9,500 bucks to close, I think. So. Jesus, yeah. dude, that right there a- is going to set you up in a way that other people just, I can't even, that's a dream. Yeah. And it's congratulations. This place thank is you. cool too. Yeah. It, it's good. It, so it, it's definitely not a finished product. I wouldn't call it a fixer upper, but it definitely had not been kept up as well as it should have been. So before we moved in, we, you know, we painted the interior, we, we sanded and refinished the hardwood floors. We totally redid the kitchen. Once we moved in where we added in the pantry, um, we, we've done a lot of work on it. And thankfully, because of the market, it's appreciated like significantly just since we moved in, not taking into account the work that we've done. So, um, yeah, the plan is to just hold it until it's stupid not to hold it. <laughs> and yeah, and then um, we'll, we'll probably settle in Tampa. So whenever we buy our forever house down in Tampa or in Florida somewhere, then that's probably when we'll sell it. But the, the, that's the other cool thing about being dual mill is we use my wife's VA entitlement. I still have my VA entitlement that we haven't even used yet. So um, we'll use that at some point, but we're, we're happy to stay here in San Diego in this house is, as long as the Navy will allow us to. So. Yeah, that, that 17 day close. So it's kind of a bummer. John actually left the mortgage industry. Uh, like a I month know. Ago. Um, but Wait, I, you know, that what being happened? Said, Oh, he, it just wasn't his thing. So that's the only thing he's good at. 
<laughs> I referred him to a bunch of people and, and then he's like, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. I was like, Oh what's yeah. He so, do? so I've actually got for anyone listening, who's like, Oh my God, I need, like, I've got a connection with the same company. So, you know, happy to introduce you guys. Uh, but he, so him, Al and Fred were building their wholesaling and flipping company and they just, I mean, basically it boiled down to one of them needed to go full time. And so Al was actually Fred's or John's boss. Like Al was not boss, but like the team lead for the team John was on. So Al, Al makes seven figures. Well, Al's brother, Fred is like on the Ben Kinney. Like he's a partner on like the Ben Kinney team, which is like the biggest Keller Williams brokerage in like the world. Uh, So both of them are seven figure earners W2. And so it was like, well, if somebody's got to go full time and John just hated being at like the beck and call of like just phone calls at the middle of the night and Saturdays and Sundays and whatever that comes with dealing with like underwriter issues with residential mortgage. It just wasn't his thing. So he was like, I'll do it. And so they're paying him a salary out of the flipping company to go full time. And it's pretty good salary too. It's not like he's hurting. So uh, it was a sweet setup for him and things seem to be going well, but well, I would love to talk junk about John Lalonde, but <laughs> we went to go see Tool together. And so now we are brothers for life and I cannot do such a thing. I'm so glad that worked out. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good dude. Yeah. Although he didn't come over when, when you were in town, we invited him over and he didn't, he didn't come. He was doing jujitsu probably. Yeah. Yeah. He said he was going to roll around with dudes instead. He's unbelievably flaky. <laughs> He's the flakiest guy. He will not text you back. Nothing. But I'm like, yo, we're going to this tool concert. I flew out to LA for 20. I was in town for 18 hours. I flew in, went to a concert together. We rocked it. And then I left the morning. It was amazing. But you cannot get that dude to text you back. (laughs) (laughs) He means well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I lived with that dude for like a fucking year and a half or year, whatever. And it was, uh, it was, it was honestly, it was probably the best thing that's happened to me as far as roommates go. Like, had I, had he not moved in when I was struggling with things with my wife, with, with like my wife and family being out of town. And like, I was, I was not in a good place. Like he, he definitely helped me out a lot moving in. So good dude. The mortgage industry lost a, a good guy, but there's some other people that'll figure it out in his wake. His team's still awesome. So. Is he going right. to stay in San Diego for a while? Do you think? Yeah. I don't see him leaving. He's in San Clemente. I don't see him leaving. He, he loves it. I don't know. Yeah, he's uh, well, as I used to call him in the house, a damn liberal because he hates that. But <laughs> he, I was like, why do you like California so much? <laughs> but um, he likes the weather, I guess. I don't know. Um, he's got some good connects out there. And anyway, uh, just ramble on about John. This whole podcast will be like <laughs> us talking about this guy's life while he's not on it. <laughs> yeah. John sucks. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> um, yeah. So All right. The- so you got, you got the wholesaling business. You got the, um, the house hack. What's like five years. So five years, I've got another uh, seven years until I can retire from the Navy. So the plan is to continue to stay in the Navy and, and do 20 uh, while doing real estate on the side. And, you know, we're, I started honor and equity, uh, about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago. And so the, you know, the goal would be to, to grow that, uh, that business and that platform, uh, into doing bigger deals. So whether it's JV syndication, we have a few ideas for where we want to go long-term, 
uh, big picture, you know, we don't want to stay in single family homes, you know, uh, renovating $20,000 houses in Tulsa forever. Uh, that's what we're doing now. And I think it's good to build the foundation uh, with fundamentals of real estate investing, but you know, the, the natural progression of the real estate investors to get into to bigger stuff. So um, whether that's syndications or JVing, we, we definitely want to get into to bigger things as the, as the years go on. So we're looking for partners to GP with all the time, equity partners. So yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's one of the things we want to get into is, you know, co-GPing on syndications, whether it be capital raise or asset management, um, you know, cause we are the skill set that we have doing this, the, the out-of-state burrs and flips, I think could lend to, to doing asset management, you know, comfortable working with property managers and all that. But I think what we're, where we can provide the most value right now is leveraging our deal funnel to help source off-market leads for, you know, not just other folks looking for, single family homes, but also multifamily, um, short-term rentals, uh, other things like that. So I think that's how we could put best provide value to a syndication right now is, is bringing the deal. So that, that's something we're uh, going to start pursuing more aggressively now. So tell me about the platform though. I've seen it. I've seen the website, I think. Pretty sure. Yeah. Um, seen your Instagram post. See, I see it around. What, yeah. Tell me what you got going on. So Honored Equity is a you know, real estate investing resource for military members, veterans, and their families. So it's really two pillars. You know, I, I like to help out military members as much as I can. That's why I'm on bigger pockets a lot, um, connecting with folks in the war room, um, just, just trying to help people realize the benefits of, of real estate investing and help them get started. So uh, that's one thing I've started doing this year is, is, you know, one of my goals as part of my give back and go abundance is to mentor at least one hour per week, uh, ideally with, you know, a, a fellow military member that's looking to grow their portfolio. So uh, I've been able to mentor two individuals now in the war room, and just help them get started uh, or not necessarily get started, but like grow their portfolio. Um, so that's, a, a, that's one of the pillars of honor and equity is just the education side, you know, documenting our journey, helping others, inspire them, helping them out however we can. And then the other side is just the business side. So, you know, I have an LLC in Oklahoma, you know, it's honor and equity, OKC LLC, and we use that to, to buy and sell real estate there in Oklahoma. So that's kind of where we're, that's where we're at now. And, you know, the, it's really a, just a foundation in helping military folks and their families learn more about real estate. So is it blogging, podcasting, yes. video? What is it? Currently, it's uh, just blogs uh, yep. and then the Instagram page. So I, there is a Twitter. I do tweet you know, two, one, or, one or two times a week, but primarily it's Instagram and then the blog where we document the journey. So the, the most recent post is... Uh, lessons learned on our recent flip. So we just talk about, uh, I wrote that article about things that we learned. Uh, and so it's really just documenting the journey. Uh, we haven't looked into podcast or YouTube yet. Uh, I'm sure that is in our future, but I have a full-time, you know, still W2 uh, full-time and then my business partner is full-time as well. So we're trying to um, see how we can work that in the future, but I'm, I'm sure it's coming down the road. So we'll see. I love blogging. I wish I, I haven't been doing as much blogging the last year or so. I've been trying to do podcasting and YouTube, but let me tell you what, man, it's so much effing work. It's so it's the production time is 10 X for YouTube, but I don't know that the payoff is actually 
I don't know if the payoff is actually any higher. Uh, also, I think I prefer writing. So I love it. Keep doing it. It works. I, like podcasting thanks. or excuse me, blogging. I mean, you can do it, you know, at, ho- at home. You can do it at the coffee shop. You can do it in between stuff. Like it works. You put, put that stuff up there. Acts as a digital resume. Like I raised, basically, I've raised all the money I've raised from my website, which is mostly just blogs. Yeah. And the cool thing about it is if we do go to, you know, YouTube in the future, it's, it's content. I could repurpose the blogs into YouTube videos. So, I mean, it's, it's evergreen, you know, most of it is evergreen material. So uh, that, that's another thing I like about it. Yeah, that's great. I I agree, Alex, though. I hadn't written an article for the blog in probably three months. Just, I actually have some other people writing some articles. So I've, I've been just kind of letting them do their thing so I can focus on other stuff. And I sat down this weekend for like an hour and a half and bumped out an article about the uh, TSP loan because I just get asked about it all the time. And I forgot how much I enjoyed just sitting down and writing out a post. Like it's super therapeutic, even if it's not like some deep conversational piece. It's like I got done. and was like, man, that was, I need to do more of that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Dude, I write so much. And then most of the stuff I don't post, I have a really weird, I have a book written for sure of stuff on my Google drive, probably, probably two or three books worth of stuff that if I could coalesce it, it's, it's already done. I just, for some reason I get like mental blocks where I'm like, does people really care about, you know, I write about, I write about non-real estate stuff a lot, you know, culture and, and weird stuff. Um, but yeah, it's very therapeutic. So I love that you do that because a lot of people are like, well, I want to get clicks. I want to get clicks, but blogging works. It's under, I don't want to say it's underdone, but I think definitely it's not a shiny object nowadays. Nowadays, it's like people are like, I want to make TikToks or I want to make YouTube videos or I want to do a podcast and they're useful. And, but they all have this like linear, very linear format where you can't get to the end unless you, you have to watch it in order. Whereas blogging, you can kind of skip around like visually, you can kind of bump around, you can write punchy headlines and you can get people in. And it makes it for a much more, I think, I don't know. It's a much more engaging format for a guy like me with a short attention span. I can kind of like riff it. Okay. Yeah. I do want to read this. And then I can kind of get into the meat. So yeah. I think, uh, and then as far as like actually creating blogging is much more therapeutic. Yeah. And, and I think anyone that's on the fence about, you know, creating stuff, you know, I, I, the reason I created is, is from the war room. I think it was a post Stu made where he just challenged people to create a thought leadership platform and, uh, so anyone out there that's on the fence, just do it. Wh- whatever you're comfortable doing, if it's YouTube, if it's Instagram, writing, whatever, just do it. I mean, your first articles, your first videos, they're going to suck and no one's going to watch it except for your mom, but it's worth doing and you'll get better at it. And it doesn't matter if no one reads it. It's it's even just documenting the journey. It's useful for someone. If it, And if just one person reads the article and they get some value from it, then it's worth it. So, yeah. So I definitely recommend that people have a website regardless if that's, if blogging is the medium they choose because well, for many reasons, but if for nothing else, then Google will recognize that a website has existed for X number of years and give it more credibility. And ultimately having a website, no matter what you decide to do down the road, raise money, publish a book, whatever, like that is a hub where you can point people and funnel people and direct people and contact me here and fill this out. Whereas like YouTube, you can put links, but like maybe someone clicks on it. Like the website is the only thing that you have like complete creative control and complete ownership over. So it's 
even if blogging isn't your medium and you're going to do YouTube mainly, like build the freaking buy the domain for like $10 and freaking pay for what? 150 bucks for like three years of hosting. It's like two or 300 bucks to start a website, do it. Thank me later, whatever. Um, yeah. And then, oh, what was the last piece you said there? I had another thought, but whatever. Dude, uh, could not agree more. I started the website in 2017 and I was like, I'm just going to blog. My mom's going to read it. Uh, it turned into four or five blogs and I ended up paying somebody to design it, and make it look cool. And now like, dude, it's the only place on the internet that's Alex's. And when you get there, you're like, okay, this is Alex. It's Alex's stupid face. It's Alex's <laughs> colors, right? It's what Alex <laughs> wants to write. There's no like YouTube. And then you got to find out who I am. It's like, you hit that page. And you're like, this is me. And it's a digital resume that's hyper, hyper individualized. And David's right. Like you started off. I love what you're doing. Honor and equity, right? It's like, you start it now. It's like, dude, you don't know what's going to happen in five years. I started that blog five years ago as just like a thing. I don't even hardly like the name now. I sometimes I use it more than others, but now, right. It raised me a couple million bucks because I can say I'm real. Like there's no way that I can fake that. It's too much. There's too many. There's too many 3000 word articles on the creature from Jekyll Island sitting like in a corner somewhere, but it's like all my blog posts, it's pictures, it's my life. And so if anybody ever wants to do due diligence, find out if Alex is the real deal, it is undeniable and it's my place. And so I love that because um, that's going to stick with you for years. And it's a, it's a credibility machine. That's the, that's the term that right. I coined. Right. It is a credibility machine that just no other platform can touch. They can't cancel you. They can't. Yeah the algorithm you they can't You're not at the mercy of youtube or instagram or twitter and and their rules they so. can't steal your emails that you've collected like it's all yours right. uh, oh that actually reminds me what i was going to say is actually something alex says uh, and alex and i have talked about this before so uh, a lot of people don't start a blog and, and they've got all kinds of reasons but one of the common reasons that i hear and that seems to be like a recurring thing for people when they write their first few blog posts is the imposter syndrome of like Oh, who's, you know, who am I to write this article? Yeah. Like, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Well, Alex pointed something out to me once that I thought was brilliant. And he's 100% right. Like the arrogance that you have to have to think that the first article you put on the internet, somebody's going to fucking read. Like <laughs> nobody's going to see that shit unless you show it to them. Like nobody, like, yeah, my first few articles, they were terrible, but nobody read them. Yeah. It doesn't matter, <laughs> like, but you got better. You yeah. Know? And you can always pull them down later if you want. I leave them up because they're hilarious, but um, yeah, man, I, I like what Alex said four years this month. I did. Well, I actually don't know if it was this month or last month, but four years ago, I christened my domain and I made six figures from that website last year. So like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's the same concept as real estate. Like no one got rich from buying their first house, but no one got rich without buying their first house either. So you got to, you got to take yes. action. That's a the really first good one. way to put that. I like that. Yeah. And, and my first time, most people's first deals are their worst deal. Why? Cause you're awful at it. You don't know how bad you are at it yet. You're going to get better. And so you right. write an article. It's like, you can't get people worried. They put this pedestal, like, ah, oh, my first article. I did. I used to have people proofread my articles. And I'm like, is this any good? And then I get there. I'm like, the only person who read it was the one who proofread it. <laughs> this is such a, but then, but then you'd be surprised. You start putting that stuff out there and then people do check it out. And then, you get to help somebody. And then next thing you know, you're like, dude, I actually don't need a lot of clicks. I need a couple of people to like, you know, make this thing meaningful for me. And then you're putting out something that's, that's useful and valuable to people. And, and then, and then you get better at skills that are valuable, like create, like creating content. I don't know if you know, this internet fad is not going away. 
right? It's, <laughs> it's, it's here to stay. So like being able to create content is going to become more and more valuable over time. This military millionaire thing, you know, Dave and I, he started it. It was nothing. It was dead, right? It was no views. Then he, Thank God the for then he had the brilliant idea of bring me on, right? It skyrocketed, obviously, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> Something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was, I, I think in, in 20, I was looking at the numbers in like 2020 or 2019, it was like 2000 views. It was not that much downloads. Um, I think that's about when I started early 2020. Does that sound right? Something late like 20, you were late around 2019? Episode, around episode 50, whenever that was. Yeah. Now we're at coming up on 150. So, um, but now we're at coming up on 8,000 downloads. And so I guess in probably two years, it'll be like 15,000 downloads, maybe more. Cause you, you, the faster you grow, the faster, like now the platforms, they, they start sending you more because they're like, Oh, we'll be at 20,000 by the end of the year. It'll be what? We'll be at 20,000 by the end of the year. We at 20,000 by the end of the year. We'll probably yeah, we're amazing. Probably, so, probably, probably before that. <laughs> you can't get you can't get to 20,000 unless you get to two. So if you don't put anything out, you can't get to two. So yeah. 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 Plus, it. like it's fun. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's therapeutic to write. It's cool to put it out there. And then all of a sudden, one day, some Google article picks something up and you'll be like, holy crap. And then you're like stuck figuring out. Like, I <laughs> I had an article get picked up. I don't know about picked up. I don't know what. I had like a five or 600 viewer spike last week on an article that's never ranked on Google. And I spent like five minutes last yesterday trying to figure out like, how the hell did people like, it's not showing his <laughs> ranking. Like, but it's, and it's like a direct link. Like somebody posted the link somewhere that got a lot of traction because it's not all organic. So it's like, man, someone, someone's pointing people towards this article and I don't know where it's coming from. I can't find the source, but it's like, I got like four or 500 views in a day on an article that I just assumed was dead from like two years ago. <laughs> Yeah, oh, you never cool. know. Thanks. <laughs> so it's weird. But uh, so what's okay? So we've covered the platform and multifamily and all these other big lofty five year goals. Mm. What's the 2022 goal? So 2022, um, one of our big goals is to co GP in a syndication of some kind. And we kind of combine, you know, if, if it's a JV, you know, we'll kind of uh, count that as well. So, but we want to start teaming up with folks on bigger things is, is really the, the takeaway and, and whether that's using our deal funnel or raising money or whatever. Um, but we want to, and it doesn't have to be Oklahoma either. You know, it's, it's more about finding the right people, like, like everything else in real estate, it's finding the right people where you have um, goals that are aligned and, you know, they're, they're, they're good, good people. And so, so that's our, that's our 2022 goal along with acquiring more, uh, burrs in Tulsa. So, and we're trying to, the goal is to really, uh, systematize that so that we can focus on the bigger stuff and, and, you know, we we recently hired my mom who's, who's awesome. And so we, we hired her to help with a lot of the admin day-to-day stuff. And so if we can systematize it to where she and my stepdad are handling a lot of that stuff, then. Uh, that will allow us to focus more on the bigger stuff. So that's, that's what we're thinking now. Have you, uh, that's awesome. Have you on the raising money side? So you mentioned like co GP, you know, looking to maybe help with a bunch of different things, but potentially one of those being raising money. Mm-hmm. Has anyone like, I know you've read the book uh, or a couple of books on it, but has anyone like sat you down and talked with you about some of the things that you're going to just like not realize that get hit in your face when you start trying to raise like, have you started the idea of like documenting substantial relationships and stuff like that? 
So we have started collecting emails and um, emails and then just kind of like, I guess, starting the conversations of like, how much would you want to commit? Um, and we've, we've heard that, you know, whatever, whatever uh, people say, you know, whatever you have in soft commits, you can cut that in half as far as what they're at, what the total is actually going to be. At so least. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're keeping that in mind and also making sure that, that the, the opportunities that we may have in the future align with that particular investor and, and what they want. Because if we take their money and put it in something, but it doesn't align with their goals, then it's, we're not really helping them out. So uh, being clear on their goals, you know, their, their, how long, what kind of return they're expecting, how long they're okay with their capital being um, tied up and all that. And so having those conversations, um, but yeah, but any, any advice is welcome. Are you using MailChimp? Yes. So the hardest lesson I learned when I, the first time I ever helped somebody raise was, and this is a super simple fix. I just had no idea. The first raise I ever did was a 506B. So for non-accredited investors, right? Which means you can't market it. So I signed up to help this guy and I was like, heck yeah, I got this massive audience. This will be easy. And then I realized like, I can't email anybody and I can't post anywhere. And my audience doesn't matter at all because I can only reach out to people I'm like personal friends with. So I would say while you're documenting or, or while you're having those phone calls, create a tag in MailChimp or whatever that literally just is like substantial relationship. So that every time you like have a phone call with someone and you talk to them for like 10 or 15 minutes, you can just tag them that way. So that if, and when you do a raise, that's not accredited, you have a list in your email that's subsected where you're like, I can physically point to where I had a phone call with this person. So if like, not that the sec is ever going to call you and be like, we need proof that you knew them, but like, then you still have a list that you can blast with emails that you're like, eh, yeah, I can totally market to these people. Cause I have a relationship with them. So add friends yeah. in there and whatever, and just tag them separately for when you do a non-accredited raise. Cause yeah, that's a man, good, that whooped my ass. That's a good pro tip there. Just documenting it. Uh, you know? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And it's weird too. Cause I've got like, 11 or 1200 people on my investor list and only like 120 have the substantial tags. So it's like very small reach when you, when you start doing the non-accredited stuff, cause you can't. Yeah. I have like 300 people on my email list, but I think, I think I've had conversations with all of them. Yeah. So very, very targeted people who don't like me. Like, I don't know. You guys both know. Well, David knows me. I don't know how I, I don't know how I come across to people who don't have never had a conversation. Like, I don't know how I, I have a feeling sometimes that I come across generally it comes to you. They're like, Oh yeah, that Alice guy, he, he seems cool. Or I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and so people who stick around my email list, like, dude, you're not sticking around and then not having a conversation with you. Usually it's like, um, let's, you know, I want to meet you. Yeah. Right. I oh, felt that okay. way. And then it went crazy and now it's not remotely possible. My, the yeah, mil- oh, for the sure. Mil- yeah. You're the military big. millionaire fucking email group has 12,000 people in it now and it grows by like a thousand a month. It is like, there's no way that I could, but for a while I was that way. And now it's just like totally unmanageable. I'm like, I hope you guys don't hate me. <laughs> yeah. And that's what we have on our website, uh, honor and equity.com. It, we've, we thought about having the call to action button being invest now, but we changed it to connect now just for that reason. Smart. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, well that, that actually benefits you a lot of ways because every, like major GP, like syndicator investor guy who wants people to invest with them. The like, the thing that's being parroted these days is essentially like, it's not the deal. It's the sponsor, which is very true. I think the operator actually does make way more of a difference than anything else. 
but I think the connect now speaks to investors that way. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, the operator is the most important part of the deal always. Yeah. Yeah. So it's why connect now is better than invest now. Yeah. Because you want to play towards the like, look at us. We're awesome. Get to know us. Yeah. Another thing we thought about is, you know, before we ask people for their money to, to raise something, we want to have at least started a deal with, with those folks as well, whether as LPs, so we can, you know, make sure that they're running things correctly, make sure they're communicating well and all that. Um, and then we can go to our investors and say, Hey, we've, we've worked with them before. Now, you know, if you'd like to invest, you, you can't rather than just someone that we've never invested with or don't know very well. So that's another thing that we're uh, considering as well. So nice. It's a process, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Raising money is a whole weird beast. Yeah. Not trying to go too fast either because, you know, it's like super uncomfortable and you feel like, out of your comfort zone the whole time and you never think it's, it never goes as well as you think it's going to go. And like, right. It's, it's weird. But at the same time you look back and you're like, like, Holy shit, I've probably raised, I don't know, probably around a million dollars in the last year on random things here and there for not, not like for deals always but private money, whatever. And like the whole time I'm like, Oh my God, this is so hard. And then I look back and I'm like, it's actually pretty, pretty cool. What's happened over the last year. So um, yeah. And, and c- that's something we're thinking about doing for sure, which is why we're collecting emails and all that. But, you know, what we have most established right now is the deal funnel. And so using that, you know, whether it's pulling lists from Reonomy or CoStar, and then, you know, using that to source off-market leads for folks as the deal finder, we see that as uh, potentially a, 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 a faster way to, to get into to deals as GPs. So I like it. All right. So we've talked about honor and equity. Is that... Like, what's the best place for people to get a hold of you? Yeah. So, honorandequity.com is the website. And then uh, we're very active on our Instagram as well, which is at honor and equity. And we'll be tagged in this podcast episode when it comes out. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I'm pretty active on Bigger Pockets forums as well. So, I'm just Doug Spence on the BP forums. Yeah. So. Thanks for that, by the way. Was that yesterday you tagged me in whatever oh, yeah. that was? Yeah. I love chatting War Room and house hacking VA loans and all that kind of stuff on, on the forums. I try to do one forum post a day. So smart. I need to, yeah, I need to get more active in bigger pockets. Again, I used to be, it used to be like my day to day. Like I was just in there all the time. Um, mainly because the government computer would let me use bigger pockets. Yeah. So I would sit I, at I my office on, on bigger yeah. pockets. <laughs> yeah. I do that almost every day. <laughs> now that I'm working for myself, I find that's less productive than it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. man. Oh, Doug, thanks for joining us. I am so glad that we finally got to do this. It's always a pleasure talking to you and hanging out with you and uh, going to events with you. And, uh, you know, I get to sleep in peace knowing that Alex won't be there because he doesn't want to join. And it's great. <laughs> Alex, you got to find your uh, another better one to join and, and not invite David. Uh, I get to sleep in peace when I don't hang out with David because he snores. We usually share rooms and he snores. I literally had to buy earplugs last time. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is he started shit talking first. So he's getting it re- in return. That's, what, that's what's happening. Um, Alex, so yeah. Alex is probably the only person who could attest other than my wife that I didn't used to because we roomed together three or four times and we were totally yeah. fine. And then whatever the fuck happened this last year. Yeah. 
Austin, he had some, um, was it Austin? You had some um, allergies or something. Yeah. But I'll never room with you again. That's fine. <laughs> I, honest, honestly, I, it forced me to get my own room. And I actually realized I'm not an introvert, but I need time to recharge at those events. And having my own yeah. room is awesome. Dude, yeah, people don't understand extrovert, introvert. Like everybody has both. Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, nobody's all, although I'm pretty close to all extrovert all the time, but even I, I'm like, okay, enough of you people. Yeah. I, after, I definitely after. like having a room where I'm like, okay, I can go take 20 minutes to just do nothing. So Alex, you got anything else you want to do the outro? Uh, Alex, Doug, do the, the outro. Man. Everybody stand by Doug. You're the man. Oh, am I doing outros now? You, this you has now, been the from military to millionaire <laughs> podcast. Our guest, Doug Spence. You can find him at honor and equity on Instagram.com. Thank you so much for listening. Rate us on iTunes. We will see you for the next one. (laughs) Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from military to millionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.